This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. Six minutes past nine o'clock in Hayesville, North Carolina, and everywhere on the East Coast. Welcome to a Thursday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. It's the 16th day of March, 2023. Today is the day that March Madness officially kicks off. Of course, we've had the uh, the first four games in both the men's and the women's tournaments to determine um, the final ones that get the seeding into the final bracket of 64. So uh, we get that going today. Unfortunately, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss most of the afternoon games. I've got an appointment with that chicken coop again. Uh, Barb and I worked on that uh, on her day off. She, I'm sure she loves this on her day off. I got her out there helping me um, uh, do some construction. But we're gonna uh, continue to work on that today. So I'll miss most of the afternoon games. But I'm looking forward to uh, ODing on it today. And it's gonna be a rainy day here tomorrow, so it'll be all basketball all the time. Uh, before we get to um, uh, basketball. We uh, might as well talk a little football because Aaron Rodgers uh, made some news last night in that he has uh, made the decision that he is not going to retire, and uh, he is planning on playing for the New York Jets in the upcoming football season. Now, of course, in order for that to happen, uh, the Jets have to reach compensation agreements with the Packers to send Rodgers uh, to the Jets since he is still under contract there. Uh, you know, uh, and and uh, Aaron Rodgers appeared on the Pat McAfee uh, show yesterday on YouTube and Sirius XM, and that's like his favorite place to uh, to sit down and talk with the, uh, the media or just let his views be known. And uh, he said that the Packers have uh, kind of dug their heels in uh, the Packers say that's not true. They're not looking for multiple first-round selections, which a lot of people thought that they were. Um, so we'll see what they come up with. And, and look, for Rodgers, you know, he said that he was 90% leaning towards retirement. <coughs> Excuse me. Then he did this uh, <laughs> this thing where he calls it, where he uh, his dark phase, where he was going dark, and he went to some uh, isolation retreat in Oregon. And he st- stayed alone in a room in total darkness. I, look, we all know that Aaron Rodgers uh, marches to the beat of a different drummer. There's no question about that. But uh, I I can't imagine sitting in a, in a room in total darkness. I mean, we've all we've all had uh, uh, we've all had uh, power outages, right? So you sit in the dark, but there's at least some ambient light from from outside. You know, the stars or the moon or whatever. Uh, but this is total darkness. I can't even imagine doing that for 10 minutes. I'd lose my mind. You know, maybe that says more about me than it does about him. But anyway, he said after he came out of this isolation, he said something changed. He said, he says, I'm not exactly sure what it was, 
but I realized it had been a little bit of a shift and um, decided that he wanted to play. So we'll see. And look, uh, if he goes over there, the Jets are looking to get back into the playoffs. They haven't been in the playoffs since 2010. Rodgers has um, history with Nathaniel Hackett, their new offensive coordinator. Of course, he was the Packers' offensive coordinator for three seasons. Um, so, you know, I, look, Rodgers is 39 years old. He's still one of the best quarterbacks in football. Packers were disappointing last year without question. And Rodgers had some games that weren't great. But, look, uh, I think at this point, I don't even worry about a quarterback's age anymore based on, you know, what we saw out of Tom Brady. And Aaron Rodgers is in that league. You know, he's not as, you know, he's not the GOAT as Brady is. But he's one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL. It's going to be the same thing when Patrick Mahomes gets to be 40 years old and he decides he still wants to play. Nobody's going to doubt Patrick Mahomes, just like nobody doubted Joe Montana and Steve Young when they played late into their careers. You know, there are certain quarterbacks that weren't at that level to begin with. A, a guy that jumps off the top of my head is a guy like Matt Ryan, a longtime quarterback for the Falcons who was a very solid quarterback for a number of years. But his skills have diminished, and he went to the Indianapolis Colts last year. Matt Ryan was a shadow of his former self because he was never at the level of a guy like uh, you know, a Brett Favre, a Aaron Rodgers, a Steve Young, a Joe Montana, a Tom Brady. He just was never there. So guys like that are going to have a quicker drop-off. So um, I don't have any doubt that if he goes to the Jets, the Jets get instantly better. Instantly. Just having that stability at quarterback and, you know, and uh, – you know the Jets are going to make some moves in the free agent market. They've already started doing that, and you know with the draft coming up, and um, they're going to do whatever they if they make this trade for Aaron Rodgers, they're going to do whatever they can do to get him the tools that he needs for that that franchise to be successful. So um, that was the first real news yesterday. But of course, there were also a lot of uh, other players changing teams yesterday. Baker Mayfield is going to be the guy, it looks like, to take over for Tom Brady in Tampa. Uh, Of course, he's a former number one overall pick. Started out with Cleveland. That ended up being a train wreck. And then he ended up going to Carolina. That didn't work out well. He ended up going to the Rams. Got traded to the Rams where he had a couple of decent games. But, you know, he was just a stopgap because of injury. So he signs a one-year deal for eight and a half million bucks to go to Tampa, and you know where Tampa is right now. Why, you know, why not? It's worth a shot. But in his last ten starts, Baker Mayfield is two and eight. So, you know, that's not exactly uh, Tom Brady material. Uh, another quarterback changing places: Jacoby Brissett, who has ties to Mayfield. He replaced Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. Uh, when Deshaun Watson came over and Deshaun Watson was suspended, well, Jacoby Brissett signed a one-year contract for $10 million, $8 million of it guaranteed, to go to the Washington Commanders. He will compete with Sam Howell, who is going to be entering his second year, and the Commanders have said 
that Howell's going to be there, you know, going into camp, he is going to be quarterback number one. So, uh, Brissett with Browns last year in 11 starts, threw for 2,600 yards, 12 touchdowns, six interceptions. So, those are a couple of the quarterbacks that have moved around. Uh, Jamal Williams is leaving the Detroit Lions. He led the NFL with 17 touchdowns last year, ran for over 1,000 yards. He is headed uh, to the Saints. Three-year contract, $12 million. bucks. Uh, Miles Sanders leaving the Eagles. He's going to Carolina. Carolina also added a tight end from uh, Cincinnati, Hayden Hurst. Uh, so Carolina is getting all in on this uh, free agent thing, trying to make their program better, of course, with the number one overall pick coming up. And a big one, Orlando Brown, uh, who was a member of the Kansas City Chiefs, is moving to Cincinnati. And he will be on the offensive line uh, to help protect Joe Burrow. He signed a four-year deal for $64 million that includes a $31 million signing bonus. Not bad for an offensive lineman, huh? Um, and then the Patriots yesterday. This was weird. You know, we talked about how Jacoby Myers had left the Patriots to go to the Raiders. And the Patriots had made him an offer, and he decided to accept what the Raiders got. So instead, the Patriots, basically the same offer they had out there to Jacoby Myers, they gave it to Juju Smith-Schuster, former Pittsburgh Steeler, and who last year played for the Kansas City Chiefs, a bounce-back year for him. He signs a three-year deal with the Patriots. For $33 million bucks, And <laughs> Jacoby Myers, uh, with a tweet when the news came out about the, the, the deal, he said, it's a cold world. And, you know, uh, the, my question is, is how much did the Patriots upgrade with this signing of Schuster? We're going to get Dan Zampano's take on that tomorrow. He is going to join us. Uh, on the show tomorrow to talk about all the stuff that's going on. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, the Patriots have been active, not as active as some people would like them to be. Uh, they signed James Robinson, an offensive, uh, I mean, a running back yesterday, a guy who uh, played for Jacksonville. And uh, his rookie year, he ran for over 1,000 yards, seven touchdowns. And then uh, in 2021, he was having a good year, ran for almost 800 yards, had eight TDs, but he, he – uh, Blew out his Achilles tendon in week 16. And then uh, they traded him last year to the Jets in October, and uh, he never really did anything for the Jets. So, uh, you know, and, and people are saying, well, that probably signs the end for Damian Harris. And Ramondre Stevenson will become the number one back in New England, and Damian Harris will move on. You know, and, and I get that Robinson's only 24 years old, but. You know, with that Achilles injury, you never know what that's going to do to someone's uh, speed, durability, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and, and a guy who basically had no track record last year. I don't, I don't know. It's weird. Weird to me. I don't know how much of an upgrade. There's a lot of people that are New England fans that are grumbling that the Patriots haven't done enough yet. You know, but of course, you know, unless the Patriots uh, sign every uh, high name free agent out there, people are going to say they're not doing enough. That's uh, just the nature of the beast in New England these days. Um, and the Cowboys have decided to part ways with Zeke Elliott. Uh, they're 
franchise running back, guy who is synonymous with the name Dallas Cowboys. Uh, but uh, Tony Pollard last year kind of took over that role. And uh, when they franchised Pollard this year, you kind of knew this was coming. Uh, he's Look, Zeke Elliott's a number, former number four overall pick, but last year rushed for a career low of 876 yards. Um, does he have, what does he have left in the tank? That's a good question. You know, we've seen too many times in the last couple of years where Zeke Elliott has games where he completely disappears, but there are teams out there that are going to be desperate for a running back. Carolina could use one. The chargers may need one because, uh, uh, Austin Eckler is uh, screaming about he wants out of town. He's been trying to negotiate a new contract. It's not going well. He wants to be traded. So maybe the Chargers would trade him and bring in Zeke Elliott. The Dolphins, the Bucks certainly need a running back. Um, the Broncos as well. So there are teams out there uh, that Zeke Elliott could hook onto. So if he's got anything left at the tank, in the tank, you can uh, guarantee someone's going to uh, to make a run at him. Uh, unless there's some injury issue, and that does not seem to be the issue with Zeke Elliott. Uh, I think it's more a case of the Cowboys just realized that Pollard is a uh, has more uh, more weapons, you know, and he's a younger version of Zeke Elliott, but he is also a better uh, guy out of the backfield. And uh, I, I think this was just a case of hey, you know, you come up. There comes a point in everybody's career where it's time to move on. Look, Aaron Rodgers is facing the same thing from the Packers. He means 18 years with the Packers. You know, and even Rodgers admitted that yesterday. He says, look, uh, he said, you know, he says, I love, you know, Green Bay. And, I, you know, and I, I, I love every Packer fan and everybody who works in the organization. And he said, my life is better because of my time there. He says, but we've got to look at the reality. They want to move on. He said, that's fine. He said they're ready to move on with Jordan, Jordan meaning Jordan Love, you know, uh, who's been his understudy for a couple of years. And he said that's awesome. He said Jordan's going to be a great player. So, I mean, Aaron Rodgers recognizes that it, there just comes a point in everybody's career where it's time to move on. How many players play their entire career for one team? Who ever thought? I never did. I never thought Tom Brady would play for anybody but the Patriots. The way his career ended up in Tampa, and look, it worked out well for, for Tom Brady, but I never expected him to play for anybody but the Patriots, but as we have seen, it happens. You know, nobody expected Joe Montana to play for anybody but the the uh, the San Francisco 49ers, but it happens. You know, very seldom does anybody, in, in any sport, in any sport, does anybody play for the same team their entire career? Those days are long over. With the uh, the increase in salaries, with the increase in you know the the increasingly complex uh, salary caps that leagues are adapting, uh, like the NBA and the NFL and the NHL. You know, the only one that doesn't have a salary cap. It's a soft one, technically, but the only one that doesn't have a salary cap is Major League Baseball. So, you know, with with the salary caps, these kind of things are going to become more and more prevalent. No question about it. So, anyway, uh, we're going to have so much to talk <laughs> to Dan Zampano about about all of this coming up on tomorrow's show. Uh, I stayed up late last night. I'm Jesus, I'm getting bleary-eyed uh, watching uh, Team USA 
get by Columbia last night. They beat Columbia 3-2, to two, so the United States advances to the quarterfinals of the World Baseball Classic. Mike Trout, the best player in baseball, led the way for Team USA last night. Three for four. He drove in all three runs. He had a triple, uh, made a couple of nice plays in center field. Mookie Betts, uh, a big game for them as well. He he was hitting in front of Trout. How, how about that for a one-two punch? Mookie Betts followed by Mike Trout. Uh, but Mookie with uh, with with three hits last night. And now the U.S. will move on, and they will play against Venezuela 7 o'clock uh, on Saturday night. Venezuela undefeated in Pool B, or excuse me, Pool D. So they easily move on, and uh, uh, there is a semifinal game going on right now. It's almost over. Japan leads Italy 9-3, to so Japan is going to move on uh, and uh punched their ticket to the semifinals in the World Baseball Classic. Um, so it's uh, we're down to really uh, just a couple of teams left to be decided. Cuba is already in one semifinal. Japan will be in uh, the other semifinal. And then the other two teams to be determined, it'll be USA and Venezuela for a spot in one semifinal. And then Puerto Rico and Mexico will play in the fourth quarter final for a chance to play uh, in the semis. And uh, Puerto Rico advanced yesterday by beating the Dominican Republic. But that's not really, I mean, well, it's a story because the Dominican Republic was pretty much everybody's prohibitive favorite to win the entire thing. But the story in this game last night was after the game was over, during the celebration for Team Puerto Rico, Edwin Diaz, the all-star closer for the New York Mets, went down in a heap and had to leave the field in a wheelchair. And the initial uh, comments from the New York Mets was that it is a right knee injury and he is going to be going undergoing further tests today. Um... He just signed a five-year deal for $102 million. This is a kid that's 28 years old. He's one of the best closers in baseball. His numbers last year were absolutely ridiculous. He struck out 118 guys in 62 innings. He struck out almost two guys an inning. 32 saves for the Mets last year, a 1-3-1 ERA. And look, the Mets just spent a trillion dollars. Right on their on their team, spending money on everybody <laughs> that was available. But a big part of that was the expectation that Edwin Diaz was going to be in that bullpen closing games for them. And I am sure that every Met fan in America or around the world uh, was mortified, is holding their breath and praying to everything that is holy that this is not as bad as it looked. But he could not put any weight on that leg, and they eventually wheeled him off in a chair. Uh, if indeed he is out, David Robertson, who signed as a free agent with the Mets, a guy who's got some history, but a guy who's a little bit long in the tooth, is probably going to be the guy that would be the designated closer for the New York Mets. So, 
And, and here's the thing. Look, this is going to immediately start screams about how the WBC is awful, how we can't be doing that, right? We can't be, we can't be uh, letting these guys that are making all this money go play in these other competitions. But here's the thing. And, and a lot of other players acknowledged this last year. Mike Trout talked about it. Uh, Mookie Betts talked about it when they heard about it. They said, look, every day you show up. And it, Pete Alonso said this. Pete Alonso, who is one of Edwin Diaz's teammates with the Mets, said, look, every day there's a possibility of getting hurt. There's a hazard in this job. He said, that's the risk we run. We're athletes, and unfortunately injuries are part of the game. And uh, – Mike Trout said the same thing. Mookie Betts said the same thing. I mean, it's and it's true. And there have been some people that have gotten hurt at the WBC. There's no question about it. Uh, Drew Smiley, the last time the WBC happened, hurt his arm and had to miss the entire 2017 season and most of 2018 after he blew out his elbow playing for Team USA. It happens. But at the same time, you know, Gavin Lux got hurt this year for the Los Angeles Dodgers in an exhibition game. He's out for the year. You know, uh, and people have gotten hurt in celebrations before. Uh, you know, I, I, I remember back in uh, 2010, member of the Angels hit a home run, a game-tying grand slam, or a game-ending grand slam, I should say. And in the celebration, as he took, as he jumped on the home plate, he broke his leg. And it was after that the manager Mike Sosha just said, "Okay, no more. We're never doing that again." He outlawed it on the team. Uh, Brian Dempster broke his toe one time, rushing onto the field when he when he hit it on a dugout railing. Uh, people have had their noses broken in in uh, in scrums, you know, when the guys are jumping around and celebrating. I mean, it happens. But we can't say to professional athletes of any sport, you can't tell a soccer player that he can't go play in the World Cup for his country. You can't tell a baseball player they can't play for their country in the World Baseball Classic. You can't tell... Guys in the NHL, well, actually, the NHL did because they didn't shut the season down. But, you know, the NHL players for years have played for their teams for the Olympics. It's just, it's, look, you know, the chance to play for your country is a big deal for some guys. You know, we we probably, and I, and I don't want to run down, you know, our country or our athletes, but the sense of nationalism that we have here in the United States I think when it comes to sports anyway, is far less, and we could probably debate that till the cows come home, but it seems to me that it's far less than it is in other countries. And maybe it's because our country is so massive, you know, 300 million people. It's a big deal for these guys from these little countries like, you know, uh, Colombia and Puerto Rico and uh, you know, uh, Venezuela and Israel and, you know, to be able to play for their country in Great Britain, it's it's so important to them. So much more so, I think, than here in the United States. But there's no question, and it's understandable, that people are going to be screaming their heads off. 
You know, they're going to say, hey, he wouldn't have gotten hurt if he wasn't there. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's a risk that they take in any game, including a spring training game. You know, and and, and there's no question that Edwin Diaz would not have been jumping up and down uh, celebrating a win in a spring training game. So his, you know, you, you could say, well, his his injury wouldn't have happened if he wasn't there. That, you know, on the face of it, that's fair. But ask Gavin Lux if, uh, you know, if it hurts any less being knocked out for the season when you get hurt in a spring training game or whether you get hurt playing in an exhibition game. At the end of the day, what difference does it make? You're still out, and it's still the risk that every athlete takes every time they step on the field. And I would hate to have something like this uh, ruin the WBC because I think the WBC is important. Look at the excitement. I, for God's sake, here's a, the United States last night, by beating Columbia, guaranteed that in the next WBC, Great Britain will automatically qualify for the World Baseball Classic because they beat Columbia. Columbia will have to qualify the old-fashioned way. But Great Britain now, Great Britain that has no baseball culture up until the last several years. It's become – there is a uh, there is a core of people in Great Britain that love baseball now. Some of it is because, because of the WBC. They have a baseball league in Great Britain. I follow some, some baseball uh, – some Britain Twitter people, and they follow American baseball, and they love it. You know, so why it's a chance to grow the game internationally. Look, if it's okay to grow the sport of soccer internationally or NFL football internationally, why can't we do that for baseball? You know, and we have teams like, you know, Team Italy went deep into this tournament. You know, it's a great thing. Look at what happened in Czechoslovakia where it's a bunch of guys that are like plumbers and electricians. They're all amateurs. And yet one guy struck out Shohei Otani. And Shohei Otani has gone out of his way. He asked for a jersey from this guy signed by his entire team after the guy struck him out. How cool is that for, for the country of Czechoslovakia? You know, I mean, so why not? why shouldn't the sport of baseball have a chance to uh, you know, to grow internationally. So we have to be careful about the knee-jerk reactions we're going to have just because a high-priced guy got hurt in a celebration. He didn't even get hurt playing the game. That's the other thing that we really need to look at here. He got hurt because everybody was jumping up and down and celebrating the win. If you want to look at anything... Let's look at, hey, let's act like we've been there before and shake hands and walk off and not jump around and maybe maybe he doesn't get hurt then. Let's not look at necessarily the game. Let's look at how he got hurt. He didn't get hurt playing baseball. He got hurt jumping around. And by the way, he had just had a great outing. He had struck out all three guys he faced to close out the game for Team Puerto Rico and, and allow them to move on. So, you know, but let's look at the celebration and not the game itself because that's really how it happened here. 33 minutes past. Yeah, we're going to take a break. Back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. 36 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a 
Thursday morning. Uh, the Red Sox in spring training yesterday beat the Tampa Bay Rays 9-1. to Of course, the, the result really doesn't matter. What does matter, uh, Corey Kluber uh, looked good yesterday, went out through five innings, uh, and then the big news was that Garrett Whitlock made his return to the mound after the hip surgery that he had at the end of last season. Uh, he comes out and pitches two scoreless innings. He strikes out three. Uh, Adam Duvall with a home run. Bobby Dahlbeck with an RBI triple. Dahlbeck also played six innings at shortstop. Dahlbeck is going to make it difficult here for the Red Sox to make a decision uh, because he looked pretty good at short yesterday. He's hitting the ball a little bit, you know, and he's got that power, and he can play third, he can play short, he can play first, um, and he's a pretty good defender. You know, I don't know what the Red Sox are going to do. Yu Chang is on his way back from Taiwan. There's been some visa problems, so he is not back yet. Of course, they've got Adalberto Mondesi, who when his uh, knee is completely healed, he will be back. Uh, this could be a great – this might be Bobby Dahlbeck, you know, uh, uh, auditioning for other teams. Who knows what the Red Sox are going to do. The, the problem is for Dahlbeck is that he's still got minor league options left. They can send him back down. Yu Chang does not. Uh, the Red Sox signed Chang. If they decide not to keep him on the roster, they have to expose him to, to waivers. Chances are they would probably lose him, uh, especially after the great WBC he had. You know, that's another thing about the WBC. Yang, uh, or Chang, I mean, uh, became the uh, MVP of his pool, even though his team lost because he hit the crap out of the ball. There was a young kid from, geez, was it, was it Venezuela or Colombia? One of the Latin teams. I can't remember which team it was, but came out and struck out like three all-star players in a row, including Rafi Devers from the you know Dominican Republic, and got signed to a contract that day by the Detroit Tigers. There happened to be somebody in the stands from the Tigers, and they said, "Hey, <laughs> you want to come play for us?" You know, so so good things can come out of that. You know, so let's not forget that. So anyway, uh, the Red Sox are gonna they're, they're Bobby Dalbeck making it very, very difficult. Uh, Alex Cora met with the media yesterday and uh, in the uh, worst-kept secret uh, made it an official that Corey Kluber will get the start on opening day. That had already kind of leaked out. That Cora had made that decision some time ago. Uh, but it means when the Red Sox open at Fenway Park on March 30th, weather permitting up there because that's two weeks away and they've had snow up there and cold and you know, hopefully the, the you know, the weather is going to cooperate. But when they open up against Baltimore on March 30th, Corey Kluber will be the starting pitcher. Uh, Corey Kluber at 36 will be the oldest opening day starter for the Red Sox since Kurt Schilling did it at age 40 back in 2007. Uh, by the way, Kluber's uh, record on opening day, well, that's not great. 0-4 with a 4.01 ERA in his previous opening day starts. And this is a guy uh, who was the opening day starter on two seasons when he won the Cy Young. Uh, so his uh, record on opening day, not the best. But so far this spring training, he's pitched 12 and a third innings uh, in four starts, and he's allowed three earned runs. Uh, he pitches the contact. He's not going to blow people away anymore. But uh, he will get the start. And then after that, uh, well, who knows? Uh, we know that uh, he's he's going to be ready to go. I assume Chris Sale will get the second start, and then it's going to be looks like right now, Nick Pavetta, Tanner Houck, and Cutter Crawford will be the Red Sox rotation. 
Brian Bayo, they're saying, is about a week behind Whitlock. Uh, so we probably won't see those guys ready to go until probably, I would guess, middle of April. Whitlock maybe a little bit sooner because he's ahead of Bayo, but you know, and again, if they're if they want to have Whitlock in the starting rotation, they're going to have to get him a few more starts and stretch him out. So uh, we'll see. I still, I'll say this till you know until he proves me different. Still think Garrett Whitlock's going to be a better reliever than he is a starter, but that's just me. Uh, speaking of Bayo, he faced eleven hitters in a simulated game yesterday, struck out four, allowed three hits, said he felt good. Uh, so that that was good news. Uh, Kike Hernandez hitting the ball well for Team Puerto Rico down there. He's getting things cranked up. He was two for four with an RBI in the game against the Dominican Republic. Christian Vasquez, former Sox player, homered for Puerto Rico. Uh, Rafi Devers headed back to the Sox camp. Didn't have a great tournament. Might have been part of the reason why Team Puerto Rico uh, beat them. Rafi Devers was 0 for 4 in that, that game against Puerto Rico and uh, finished the tournament 2 for 16. Not worried about it. Again, you know, Rafi's going to be fine, but uh, he his timing is obviously not there uh, quite yet. Uh, we're going to take another break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some March Madness. It all begins today. There were some first four games last night. We'll talk about that. We've got some Celtics news, some other news around the NBA. Back in a minute, you're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 43 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call here on a Thursday. Uh, we had some uh, first four games last night. Fairleigh Dickinson University out of the Northeast Conference uh, beat Texas Southern 84-61 to uh, to uh, move on, and uh, uh, their reward for that uh, will be to <laughs> have to play um, a, re- a really good team uh, and, and look, for Fairleigh Dickinson, they're, they're thrilled to be there, but now they get to play top-seeded Purdue uh, and uh, uh, to move on, uh, and they will play that game in Columbus, Ohio. They're going to have their hands full, no question about that. But Ainsley Elmore, uh, 23 points last night. Second time that Fairleigh Dickinson has won an NCAA tournament game. It's their, uh, The first one was uh, four years ago. Uh, Arizona State, who was coached by Bobby Hurley, who is, of course, the brother of uh, Dan Hurley, the coach of uh, the UConn Huskies. Arizona State beat Nevada last night, 98-73. Neither one of these games were close. To th- the first four games we had the first night were great. They were both went right down to the wire, but uh, uh, they beat Nevada 98-73. Arizona State shot 64% from the floor last night. Sixty. You can beat anybody you shoot 64% from the floor, and they shot 11 of 21 from three-point range. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, so uh, they move on um, in the tournament. And uh, uh, there's a lot of people that are calling for Bobby Hurley to get fired. Despite the 23-12 and 12 record, the fact that he's gotten them into the NCAA tournament a few times uh, since he has been there, uh, a lot of people are like, look, every time that they get into the NCAA tournament, they get into the first four game and they're, you know, they haven't made any kind of a deep run. It's the first time they've been in a tournament since 2019. But I don't like, you know, look, it's one of these things I, I don't understand. It. This, they win, they have a winning record every year. Um, I, I don't, I, it's part of the whole thing with college sports I don't understand anymore where you can win. 
But if you don't win enough, it's not good enough. You know, how many times have we seen guys that you look at their record and you go, Jesus, you know, he's won twice as many games as he's lost, but he gets fired because they can't win a national championship or they can't get far enough into the uh, uh, the college football playoffs because football's the worst. Yeah, have a winning record and get fired. It's absolutely unbelievable. But anyway, Arizona State wins as they beat Nevada. And uh, one that was near and dear to my heart, a first four-game uh, in women's basketball last night, Sacred Heart University out of Fairfield, Connecticut, a place I worked uh, uh, for nine years. Uh, got to see them go to the NCAA tournament for the first time in school history when I was there. They played the University of Maryland. Uh, I got to broadcast that game, which was fun. Uh, they made their third appearance in the NCAA tournament, but this is the first time they have ever won an NCAA tournament game. They beat Southern last night 57 to 47. Uh, Sacred Heart has won six games in a row. This is a team, by the way, that started out the season one and seven. One and seven. So they beat Southern last night. They had uh, they led by as much as 18 in this game. Uh, Nicera Pryor, what a player. She's only 5'3". I watched the game last night on ESPN for a while. 11 points, 8 rebounds, a career-high 10 assists, damn near a triple-double. But this is a girl... Uh, that was held under her scoring average, which she averaged 18.2 points a game. But she uh, was the first player in conference history to earn player of the year, defensive player of the year, and rookie of the year in the same season. You know, a lot of teams overlooked her uh, because she was only 5'3". Came up for an unofficial visit to Sacred Heart and uh, committed right then and there. She also leads the nation in steals per game. She averages 3.9 steals a game. Uh, So... Uh, she led the team last night, and uh, uh, Sacred Heart moves on. And their reward is to get to play the fifth-ranked team in the country, number one seeded Stanford, in Stanford, <laughs> on their home court on Friday. But if you're Sacred Heart, it's one of those things where at a mid-major school, this is the kind of thing that you live for. Uh, I, can, I, I cannot tell you the atmosphere that it was like when I was there when the women uh, made it to the NCAA tournament the first time the time that the uh, when I was there that the men's basketball team played for the conference championship with a chance to go to the NCAA tournament Uh, I was at Central Connecticut State University working there when Central Connecticut had a chance to go to the NCAA tournament won the conference title got to play Pittsburgh it was insanity if you think it's exciting for teams like Duke and North Carolina or Purdue or Houston or whoever, you know how excited those fans get? Try amping that up by a power of two or three at a small school like a Sacred Heart, like a Fairleigh Dickinson. This is everything to them because they understand that it is their moment in the sun, that they don't get out in the sun very often because all the sunshine is sucked up by the big schools like UConn, you know, for Sacred Heart, you know, for instance. I mean, UConn gets all the attention in the state of Connecticut. And and after UConn, you know, it's, it's Yale or it's Fairfield. You know, it's not Sacred Heart. It's generally not Central Connecticut or Quinnipiac, except maybe in the sport of hockey. You know, so this is something to a small school like that everything. By the way, this um, this March Madness, it'll be the final one 
for Jim Nance. Uh, Jim Nance is not leaving broadcasting. He's still going to stay on with CBS, uh, CBS to call uh, the NFL games and to call the Masters uh, and, and all their other golf coverage. But he has decided that this is going to be his final NCAA tournament. For him, it's kind of cool because it's in Houston. Uh, it's where he went to college. It's uh, his adopted hometown. And uh, he, maybe he'd have a chance to, to call his alma mater playing for a national title in their their uh, their home arena, which would be pretty cool. Uh, he started calling uh, games for CBS at the NCAA tournament in 1986. Uh, by the time uh, he calls the final on April 3rd, 354 NCAA tournament games, 64 national semifinals, and 32 championship games. Uh, look, uh, Jim Nance is my favorite uh, broadcaster in all the sports. I just I've always been a big fan of his. Uh, and it's not to denigrate anybody else that's out there doing it. You know, there's other guys that are fine, but there's just something about Jim Nance, um, and, and maybe it's the the amount of golf I watch on television and, and hearing him do that. And I think he's a very good play by play guy for the NFL. Uh, but uh, this is going to be it for him on that. He said he still plans to uh, to call the NFL through the end of their contract with uh, uh, CBS, which I believe is in. Uh, is it 2033, something like that. So he's still going to be around at least for another 10 years or so. Oh, and then he, he he's hoping his final one will be the 100th edition of the Masters, uh, which comes up on April 13th, 2036, uh, which would also be his 51st year working uh, at the Masters tournament. But, you know, look, he's, an, he's older. Uh, he's been around forever. You know, he's a guy that's, you know, approaching 70. And he's got two young kids, a 7-year-old and a 9-year-old. And he said he just, you know, this is an opportunity for him to spend a little bit more time with his kids. Who can blame him because, you know, we never know when the the switch is going to be turned off. Uh, Last night in NBA, uh, the Celtics beat the Minnesota Timberwolves 104-102. It was not easy. They had to hang on uh, for dear life in this one. Celtics needed it badly. They have not been playing very well. They are just 5-5 in their last 10 games. They are now 2.5 back of the Milwaukee Bucks for uh, second place in the Eastern Conference, and they've got the Philadelphia 76ers breathing down their neck uh, just a game back. Um, so uh, a good win for the Celtics last night. They didn't play especially especially well, but Jalen Brown had 35 and Jason Tatum 22 uh, as the Celtics <coughs> Excuse me, hang on for the win in that one. Uh, the L.A. Lakers lost last night to the Houston Rockets 114-110. to but uh, even without LeBron James right now, the Lakers hanging on barely to that last spot in the Western Conference. They are a half a game ahead of Utah and New Orleans, uh, despite the loss last night. Uh, NHL last night, uh, the Washington Capitals trying to get themselves into playoff position. They are still four points back, uh, but they beat the Buffalo Sabres last night 5-4 to four in overtime. They are trying to track down the New York Islanders and the Pittsburgh Penguins, who right now hold the last two wild cards or the two wild card spots uh, in the NHL. Uh, but the Caps uh, still four points back despite the win last night. Uh, one other NBA note, by the way. Uh, the NBA suspended John Morant officially for eight games. They're going to basically, it's basically going to be time served um, because he's already sat out six games, but the NBA, uh, the NBA is going to make him sit out two more. And he is going to have to forfeit his salary during those eight game that in game suspension, which totals six hundred and sixty nine thousand uh, dollars. 
Uh, Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner, met with Morant before making this decision, and he just said, hey, look, uh, Jaws conduct, conduct was irresponsible, reckless, and potentially very dangerous. And he said it has serious consequences given the enormous following and influence, particularly among young fans who look up at him. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and you know, this is not the first time this kid has uh, done something stupid like this. So I think uh, good move. Good move by Adam Silver. Uh, you've got to send that message, not just to him, but to every other player in the NBA uh, about just being a little bit smarter. Uh, one other quick note, NASCAR handed out the largest hit, uh, fine and penalty in its history yesterday when it fined Hendrick Motorsports $400,000, $100,000 to each of its four crew chiefs uh, with four race suspensions for the quartet. So those four crew chiefs will have to miss four races. And they dock drivers 100 regular season points and 10 playoff points apiece. And this is significant in that William Byron, who is uh, part of Hendrick Motorsports, has won back-to-back races. And Alex Bowman uh, was the Cup Series point leader prior to his 100-point deduction. So now Bowman goes from 1st to 23rd in the Cup standings. And if he wins a race, it's not going to matter. He'll still get in. His, his position in the points race won't, uh, you know, race won't matter. But if he doesn't, that's significant. William Byron goes from 4th to 29th. Kyle Larson from 5th to 32nd. These are big penalties. Hendricks says that they're going to uh, uh, to appeal. They got the suspensions because of the uh, the louvers on the hood that hold it down, that, they, that they're supposed to be single-source parts, and supposedly they were altered somehow, and that's a big one. You know, that's a big one. One of the things NASCAR has done, they have tried very hard to make the amount of tinkering that crews are allowed to do on these cars. They have tried to cut it down significantly to level the playing field, and uh, they have said that they are going to come down hard on uh, people that uh, alter parts that are supposed to be the same for every single team. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. Dan Zampano is going to join us to talk NFL football. Hope you can join us. We leave you this morning with some music from Hart. Uh, Nancy Wilson, uh, one of the uh, sisters, Anna Nancy Wilson of Hart. Uh, she is 69 years old today. And on the way out, here's a little magic man by Hart. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.